as there's probably still dried blood from his nosebleed earlier when he thought he was dying. I mean, Jack <laughs> can't handle a little bit of blood on his face, and all of a sudden he's the invincible champion. All right, people. Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchant Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Hiya! If you've been following us on Twitter and Instagram at Tales from the Enchant Forest, then you will know that we have climbed the highest beanstalk to bring you this story. That's right. Except I flew because I have these things called wings. They're great. You should really think of investing in them sometime. Yeah, that's not how that works. Um, but... Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Jack and the Beanstalk today, right? No, we're going to talk about Cinderella. She's very well known for her beanstalk. Yeah, I mean, wait, what? No, we're, we're <laughs> definitely going to be talking about Jack and the Beanstalk. This story is one of the very first versions of the written Jack and the Beanstalk story. Aside from Jack the Giant Killer, which focuses more on Jack killing creatures, that's not really what the Beanstalk story is about. I warn you, travelers, this is a very different story than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. Our story today was featured in the second edition of Round About Our Coal Fire, or Christmas Entertainment, published in 1734. It was originally titled Enchantment Demonstrated in the Story of Jack Springens and the Enchanted Bean. Ooh, Enchanted Bean. <laughs> that sounds like what my nana would used to serve me when she was trying to convince me that her bean soup was actually good. Spoilers, it was terrible. It wasn't the real enchanted bean. What? You mean she lied to me? I think she lied to you. I thought I think I thought just thought enchanted beans didn't taste that good. I don't think beans nana! in general taste that good. <laughs> what do you mean you lied to me? <laughs> Our story begins with Gaffer Springin telling an eager crowd about a member of his family, a dirty, lazy, tatterdemalion, dog-type relative named Jack Springen. Now, for those of you that weren't born in England in the Middle Ages, a tatterdemalion is a person dressed in ragged clothes, which is our first introduction of our title character, Jack. Sounds like a great guy. <laughs> now, Jack's only companion was his enchantress grandmother, who, despite being a witch, was not very rich, and lived in a two-room cottage with Jack and her cats. One day, as they are lying in bed together, the enchantress grandmother tells Jack that she has a bean in her house that will make him richer than the emperor and give him command of the entire world. She'll give it to him one day or the other. Um, so Sparrow, I don't want to get into the relationship between the Enchantress and Jack, because there is a lot to unpack there, and I do not have the ability to unpack anything at the moment. But for my sake, I'm pretending Grandmother is a term of endearment like Vasilisa uses on Baba Yaga, or we use in general towards older women who we are not related to. Uh, so if there's no real family connection here, even though it is heavily implied that they have sleepovers. We're off to just a fantastic start here. We have this super awkward, weird relationship with this enchantress. She has a magic bean that will give you riches, but she doesn't use it. And she tells Jack about it, but also says he can't use it until later. But she's going to, like, 
taunt him about this, I guess. That just seems so weird to bring up if you know he can't use it. Like, don't mention it then. Don't worry about it. See, this is my problem with it, because obviously Jack, being curious, because who wouldn't be, instantly wants the bean and asks for it. I don't imagine you could tell many people, hey, I have this, you know, magical item that once you have, and you will have, mm -hmm. will make you super rich. And that person would not then go, can, can I have it then? Also, Jack doesn't seem to have a lot of family if this is who he's just living with. But he seems to be related to this guy named Gaffer, which is, I'm not sure, but you have never met a Gaffer before. I know that's a job, but I never knew that's a name. <laughs> have you met any Gaffers before? I've never met a Gaffer, and you know what? I don't think I want to. He seems like someone that tells tall tales about Jack and his grandmother. What if this was just Jack and he couldn't think of a better name like to swap out for his first name? So he's like, yeah, I'm Gaffer. Uh, but I'm going to tell you a story about my really cool cousin, Jack. Yeah. I, yeah, that's what's happening. I definitely think the fact that he is such a weird narrator comes into play because we can't really rely on him. He's unreliable. We don't know who he is. We don't know the basis of his storytelling. It does very much seem like one of those things where you go, oh, yeah, my cousin on my mother's side, twice removed. Yeah, he, he fought a dragon one time. Yep. Heard it from him with my own two ears. It's one of those kind of stories. Yep. Or the people on the internet who's like, I know the spoiler about this movie because I have an uncle in the industry and he knows everything. Yeah, it seems like to be one of those cases. Uh, so anyway, Jack hears about this bean, instantly wants it because, as we heard, he's poor, he's dirty, he wears ragged clothes. Why wouldn't he want to be rich? No kidding. So he asks for it, saying he wants to see how rich he can be. And doesn't she want to see how much more he can love her? It's the basic being wanting flattery. I mean, that's, that's such a weird... I, I don't want to get I'm into this. So I, really, I really don't want to get into this relationship here because I need to be a therapist in order to figure out what's going on. Uh, but that's a really weird thing to say to your grandma. Is it not? I think so. Yeah, so grandma's a bit weird. That's fine. Grandma does say she will not give him the bean because he will turn rich and rakish and would never think of her again. She then threatens to whip his Narsi Parsi if he plays tricks on her. And, you know, when he protests, as one does, she says she loves him too much to do that. Um. So she just had an empty threat up her sleeve and then was like, don't worry about it. No consequences for your actions. I don't really know what's happening. I think she's saying, I have this bean, but you'll get it one day. And he goes, okay, can I have it now? And then she goes, no. And if you bring it up again, I'll whip you. And then he goes, okay, don't whip me. And she goes, oh, I would never. I love you too much. I mean, that's straight up gaslighting. But, you know, she's weird. Yeah, no kidding. She's very weird. <laughs> I think we've established that. Again, I'm just imagining her as a Baba Yaga grandma type of character. She's just not related to him. She's just, you know, adopt pseudo adopted him, I guess. And he lives in her house and she does weird things. Um, anyway, moving on, because, again, not there, miss. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then this entire podcast, we dedicated to figuring out what this relationship is, and we would never actually get to the bulk of the story. No, there's too much here. I think the story would, I think our podcast would then just be called Jack Springins Before the Enchanted Bean, 
or the threat of the enchanted being. It'd be like some weird Harry Potter title. And we would just never leave in the end. We would need to be in therapy. <laughs> and it's just, that's not good for anybody. We'd be the crazy guy with the pictures on the wall and the red string trying to connect everything together. Listen, she's actually the grandma in the Baba Yaga story. It's all connected. <laughs> I'm telling you. Anyway, for our sanity's sake. So next day, Jack is making her fire when he sees some beans hidden in the ashes. You know, choosing to ignore her warning, he takes them and sets them in the garden, thinking about all the bacon and beans he will eat. Because bacon definitely grows from beans. Nice one, Jack. As soon as the beans hit the ground, they started to grow wildly and smack Jack so hard in the face that he thought he was dying. <coughs> Grandma runs out and is angry as she sees the beanstalk, and Jack, who is now holding his bleeding nose, begging to be saved, still thinking he's dying. I mean, not the brightest tool in any shed. No. But, no. I mean, he can just stand in front of the bean and pretend it isn't there. At least he's not doing that. I, it's too bad that he wasn't dying in this moment, because then we could just end it here and dissect everything that just happened, which is still a lot. But I digress. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, at least here, we have two title characters, Jack and now this beanstalk. Bum, bum, bum. What a true love story happening right here. <laughs> And we're back to the weirdness. The grandma tells him that he has ruined her enchantment and this will cause her to become transformed. She threatens to give him the thrashing of a lifetime. But Jack's too quick and runs away and climbs up the beanstalk with his grandma chasing him with her birch broom. I thought he was dying. It's, I think it's one of those man colds where it's cold and you're sick and then you're fine after a couple hours. Or like the men's soccer, they kind of slowly shift, like, oh, my shin, <laughs> I'm dying. Someone <gasps> high fives you and you're like, my hand, it's been amputated. Ah! Give them a red card. Give them a red card. Oh, you gave one? Okay, yeah, I can walk. Don't take me out. It's like, coach. oh, my hand, it has magically grown back. <laughs> I mean, that is true magic right there. So, you know, Jack, forgetting that he was dying a second ago, now has the courage to run away, climb up the beanstalk, and just kind of watch his grandma, who obviously can't climb up the beanstalk. But what grandma does is she throws <laughs> a fit on the ground for Why an hour. Why is that obvious? Sorry? Why is that obvious she can't climb the beanstalk? Considering she's called a grandma i feel like if she was younger they'd have a different term for her at least but grandma seems to be like she's old i really don't see any grandmother trying to climb up a beanstalk anytime soon oh you've not met my grandma okay well i cannot climb up a beanstalk so <laughs> i'm gonna say that grandma enchantress cannot climb up this beanstalk also sorry another question why if you have such a close relationship with him, why would you not at least tell him like look, I would die if you got that. Like at least give him the warning that your enchantment will end or something. Then maybe he would second guess it. It might be one of those like beauty and the beast kind of things where it's like I can't tell you about the curse. You just have to act as if you know about it and anything you do that can harm me, you did intentionally. Maybe she was planning on giving it to him when she was older, like when she was close to death, and then she could be like, oh, here's some beans. Go be rich now that I'm gone. I don't really know what the plan was here. I think it might have been that when she was dying, she would have given him the beans. But also, it's kind of weird that she talks about the beans during that night, and the next morning, they're in the ashes as if she kind of wanted him to find them. Like, how would they get there? Why has he never found them before? If they're just hiding in the ashes and he apparently makes her fire every day. It's all very suspicious. Not a smart plan. 
very suspicious. She's not a very good enchantress, but you know. Yep. Um, so grandma throws a fit on the ground for about an hour, and after an hour, her enchantment is up, and she turns into a toad. Ribbit, ribbit. Was grandma a toad to begin with, who magicked herself into a person? Was grandma just having all this magic, and the downside of it was that she could only hold it for so long before she got transformed into a toad? This is like reverse of the, 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 was it the frog king? Yeah, the frog no, this king. this is the reverse of the frog king. Yeah, I mean, toads are widely associated with magic and witchcraft, but I'm still so confused as to why she turned into a toad. If it was her magic connected to this bean, one, why wasn't she taking care of her bean? Yeah. You know, why was she not taking care of it and not putting it in the ashes? And two, a toad? Could she not have, I, I, maybe it's a doubt, maybe it's like a side effect. If you use too much magic on this beanstalk, all of a sudden, if the magic is gone, then you turn into a toad. Maybe she didn't read the fine print. It does say the enchantment's gone, which indicates that there's been an enchantment up until now. So she had to have been a toad in the first place. So maybe we're looking at, like, either another witch or another deity making the deal with her that, you know, you could become a person, but if Jack ever plants these beans... You did. <laughs> I, like, that's the best I could come up with. Well, you would think she would put, like, the beans yeah. in, like, a pouch that she wears around her neck at all times. And it's got, like, ten locks yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. Not saying she asked to be turned into a toad, but she wasn't trying very hard to keep this whole beans are bad thing away from Jack. Uh, so Jack isn't very traumatized by this. He keeps climbing the beanstalk, which grows to almost 40 miles high. And because this is a fairy tale... Little towns start growing on the beanstalk's leaves, and Jack stops by for ale, bread, cheese, and finally, near the top, he stops for dinner. Wait, hold on. He, These places just popped up, like, on the clouds, like, into existence, and they just had all this stuff for him along the way? Well, it seems like the beanstalk is growing as Jack is climbing. You know, like the comical animation of the leaves springing forth? Maybe they sprung, oh. and then there were towns that were, like, that were just there, and then they were unveiled, I guess. So he's not even really doing climbing. He's just catching a ride up on one of these, like, leaves. Maybe. I mean, I think he's, it's, I think it's a mixture of things, because it does mention how tired he gets, so maybe he's half climbing. But, I mean, also Jack, it seems like Jack hasn't really worked a day in his life, so maybe, like, a little bit of climbing is tiring for Jack. Jack climbs, like, one mile, and he's like, oh, I'm beat. Whereas, like, the rest, the 39 other miles were just coasting. Who knows with Jack? I mean, we don't know. We don't know with Jack. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. Or hit the beanstalk, I guess. I wonder if he paid for anything. Because at this point, he's still poor. Yeah. So is he just going around yeah. taking stuff? Is he paying for anything? Are people even charging him? What What do they do? Well... It's hard to figure out a society that just sprung out of exist into existence of what their currency might look like. Maybe because they just started existing, they don't really know what to do. Or if they were small and just grew big, perhaps their currencies are different. Or if they were, you know, under an enchantment and they all of a sudden that was broken and now they're back to normal. Maybe they're too busy celebrating to be like, ah, oh, who is this? They're just like, ah, oh, give him some ale, give him some bread. We are all celebrating. Maybe he's just good looking enough where people are like, ah, you're going to coast on your looks, buddy. Well, I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm not a fan of Jack so far. 
Yeah, no. So at the place, he stops for dinner. Jack kind of struts in and asks the landlord what he has to eat. The landlord tells him that they serve everything in the world. So Jack asks for a neck of mutton and broth. Now the landlord tells him that tomorrow is market day, so they don't have any mutton right now. Jack says, okay, uh, what about veal? And the landlord says, oh, yes, we have veal on Saturdays. This goes on for quite a while, with Jack asking for different items, such as crows, hens, eggs, bread, and the landlord having an elaborate excuse as to why he has none of them. At last, Jack realizes that he will need to go to bed supperless, and the landlord wholeheartedly agrees. However, the upside is the landlord does have freshly brewed drinks. Yay! Really? (laughs) This sounds like false advertising to me. I have everything! Do you have anything? No! You know what? No, I do. I have something, but not that. Okay, what about this? No. See, I, reading this text, because I I ended up reading the original, I really liked this interaction. It was very funny. And it was, it just went on for so long with the landlord saying, no, don't have that. And then giving this like elaborate excuse. Um, I think for the veal, the landlord says, oh yes, the neighbors have this huge fat cow that'll make a great you know, dinner, but they're only going to chop him up on Saturday. So if you come back on Saturday, we'll have some of that. And then Jack asking for, oh, what about hens? And then he goes, no, no, the hens need to lay eggs. And Jack going, okay, what about eggs? And the landlord going, no, no, the eggs are for this other reason. It was just, it was quite a ridiculous little thing, but it was so funny to read. So maybe he's just a pathological liar and just like, had to lie about everything. I like to think that the landlord just doesn't like Jack, and he was like, eh, let's mess with him. through him is like, ah, uh, Jack the Jerk has walked in, let's let's take care of him, I guess. Or maybe it's just like they came out of an enchantment, and the landlord's like, I want to be a really good host. Let me go grab stuff. And he's slowly remembering, oh, wait, we don't have that. Oh, wait, no, we don't, we don't have that either. So it's all just kind of oh, like, that'd ah. that'd be cute. If it was all really earnest, and then it was just like, sorry. The one thing that does give us some hint as to whether or not this town had existed, these little societies had existed beforehand, the landlord does mention how the previous day hunters had come by and eaten some of the food. Oh. So it could have been that this little society was existing at some, like, different dimension, maybe, and everything was going along as planned, and then they just kind of sprung into existence, or it might be the landlord's a liar, and we have no idea, so... There was an answer, and there is another rebuttal for it. So I hope that helps. (laughs) It's very interesting to think about these just societies showing up. Because when I originally read this, I thought, oh, they were just among the clouds, and that's they've always been there. But now that I'm reading this, it's like, no, but they're on Beanstalk. So I guess I have to go with kind of like Horton Hears a Who. Like, they were originally that tiny speck on that, what was it, little flower? And now they've just blown up with the beans itself. Mm, that's actually a good point. I didn't even think about Horn Here's the Who. Or Microverse from Ant-Man. Like, same idea. <laughs> and now they've been just giganticized. And they're like, what is happening? But to them, it all pretty much feels the same. Well, they don't seem to be worried about it. Yeah. Though, if we want to talk about just the ramifications for the Earth itself, like, that would have huge ramifications for that, to have that huge mass like a coming into existence of people and a world just popping in. That'd be crazy. Hold on. I just want to see how many miles high is Mount Everest. I want to see how high this beanstalk is. Oh, that's a good question. 
So we know that Jack's beanstalk is about 40 miles high, give or take. And we know that to get to the top of Mount Everest, it is about 5.5 miles above sea level. Okay. So this is definitely very dangerous territory. I mean, if this wasn't a fairy tale, it wouldn't be possible for people to be alive up here, much less Jack to be alive up here. Um, but let's just say, let's get rid of all of our, you know, science, knowledge, information about the atmosphere and how Earth works. And just imagine that the sky is endless, clouds just go up forever, and space isn't a thing. So Wait, so this would be going to space, right? I'm trying to look. How high? I am now to invest in this to stop right here. It's fine. Um, so 40 kilometers or 40 miles is about 64 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And according to this chart I'm seeing here, it looks like the ozone layer is about 20 kilometers off the ground. Okay. So we're past the ozone layer. The stratosphere is between 10 kilometers and 50 kilometers. So we actually passed. So we're in the mesosphere. And I'm guessing you can't breathe in the mesosphere. I do not think so. People have a hard time breathing on Everest, and this certainly goes past it. So the mesosphere, uh, it looks like that's about where rockets start to fall again, fall down again. So yeah, I mean we're we're pretty we're pretty high up there. Everyone's you fine. You definitely can't breathe if we're on Earth. You know what? It's fine. We don't need Jack in this world anyway. Oh no, it's fine. <laughs> it's just fascinating to think of. Like obviously, when they wrote the story, they don't have the terms to describe like the different layers around the world but it's fascinating to think of um in comparison well i mean if this is one of those things we can be like oh it's definitely a tall tale (laughs) not that you know anyone ever (laughs) not that anyone was ever under any you know belief that jack had this giant beanstalk and his grandma turned into a toad but if anyone needed any concrete evidence it's that jack could not breathe on top of this beanstalk so you know what disproven we are now the Mythbusters, a fairy tale. Mythbusters. Remember, kids, the only difference between science and messing around is writing it down. Yeah. And now that it's out on the internet, we are correct. I don't want to hear anything about how we're wrong. Um, but actually, if we are wrong, please message us because I would like to correct if yeah. it's wrong. <laughs> so now that we've done our science bit, you know, Sparrow the Science Guy, would you like a plot twist? Sparrow the Science Guy. Plot twist? What? Jack's hunger and the lack of food was all caused by his toad enchantress grandmother, <gasps> who is cursing him with the very last bits of her power. Now, that's what we call petty. <laughs> that is super petty. But you know what? I'd be super upset as well, and I would do the pettiest thing possible right before dying as well. So you know what? All the power to weird enchantress grandma. I feel like I would want him to be unable to, like, climb any further up the beanstalk once he gets to a certain height it would just be too slippery or something something where it feels more frustrating than just uh this guy's going to annoy me and not be able to tell me he can give me stuff and then not give me stuff i would make it more perilous than you this. played breath of the wild right you know yes. how when you try and climb in the rain yes just give him that give him that effect he cannot climb in the rain just make it <laughs> but like rain. constant Or just a gust of wind, blow him off that sucker. You know, like, I doubt he's holding on very tight. You know, something a little bit more powerful than just, aha, 
there is no food in this random tavern you've walked into. Thing or make it like an old Western saloon. So the moment he enters, there's that creaky floorboard as he w- walks in. So everyone looks at him. And then it could just be a Western standoff. Oh, I'd actually be fine with that. So after this minor, minor inconvenience of magic, Jack was just enjoying his landlord's company when all of a sudden the landlord transforms into a beautiful lady. The house kind of... (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those stories. All of a sudden, a dozen youths enter the house on little hobby horses with ribbons and flowers, and they tell Jack that his grandmother has taken her passage to the shade. Which sounds like a fancy way of saying she just died because of his actions. <laughs> but don't worry about that because now Jack is the invincible champion. <laughs> what a weird. What? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> invincible champion. I th- I like how they just went straight to you know what. Your grandma's dead. Uh, that's why we're all here. But guess what? You're now our favorite champion. And he's just like, uh, I... yes, I am. 100% that Gaffer Spriggins is actually just Jack Spriggins under a very terrible pseudonym. Because this is just ridiculous. I, I think in the actual text, they call <laughs> him a bunch it's... of other things as well. But I, I limited it to Invincible Champion because I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want... I don't Was like the Jack. Chosen One too pretentious for him? I feel like the Chosen One doesn't encompass everything that Jack is. He is the Invincible Champion. I feel like that's his, that's his wrestling name. You have the Undertaker, you have John Cena, you have the Invincible Champion, The Rock. Everything just kind of lines up. But the champion indicates that he won some sort of contest or proved he was the best at something. So far, all he's done was make a fire like he does every day, climb a beanstalk, kill his grandmother, and unsuccessfully get some dinner and being told, yep, you have to go to bed without dinner. By the way, whoop, I'm a hot woman now. Oh, you forget. He also had sleepovers as grandma. I mean, I feel like that's the biggest invincible thing he did. I guess he's a champion for that. And then he killed her. Not directly. And to be fair, she should have really given some warning like, hey, I'll die. But you know what? Maybe he would have been like, okay, cool. And then planted them anyway. Plus, I like the imagery of someone calling him the invincible champion. As there's probably still dried blood from his nosebleed earlier when he thought he was dying. I mean, Jack (laughs) can't handle a little bit of blood on his face. And all of a sudden, he's the invincible champion. All right, people. I like how okay, standards are just... super low yeah, for, I... like, a hero. Exactly. It's just sometimes it's, like, right place, right time kind of situation. Like, were you having a sleepover with your grandmother? Cool. Did you find some beans? Cool. Did you plant them? Cool. Oh, my God, you're the hero of, cha- of, you're the hero of legends. Maybe he was mistaken for someone else. Maybe someone else actually just saved the town from something. And Jack just happens to be there looking the same and they're like ah yes he is our invincible champion who just saved us from a dragon how can we repay you yeah i i mean i bet jack at this point isn't even thinking like oh what have i done to deserve this have i gone on a hero's journey where i have proven myself i bet he's just going ah yes i am the invincible champion that is my name yes that is what Uh, they called me in high school i feel like sometimes i unfairly 
dislike Jack, but... But then you see the details of what he's done. Well, it's about to get worse. Uh, it's about to get way worse. We haven't even gone to the reason I hate Jack yet. So far, we've just, we just have, like, Jack being absolutely mind-numbingly boring and dumb at the same time. And dramatic. But, I digress. It is revealed the lady is the empress of the Mountains of the Moon and had been enchanted by the grandmother to be a black cat for the past 400 years. There's a joke here about Jack and old ladies that I'm going to try not to make. Anyway. Okay, wait, hold on. Is this <laughs> the barkeep now? Yes. Yeah, so the- or are they just talking about a random... Wait, so the barkeep was an old lady who was transformed to a black cat for 100 years and then became a male barkeep and then became the hot woman that we now see. It seems like she's she's like an ogre. There are layers to her. You know, there are just, there's so many different enchantments on this poor person that I bet at this point she's just like, ah, a human man and I am a person. Yes, I love you. I feel like the standards had to be really low for her to be like, I'm the empress of the mountains of the moon. And I will settle for you, Jack. Some empress. You're god for over 400 years. I feel like someone's probably taking your job. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I mean, she has a bar now, so she's fine. She's all set with her tavern. She could probably start a great D&D campaign from here, which I feel like is something that should happen. And now she sends a bunch of adventurers on a quest to go reclaim some magical property from the moon so she can go back to her rightful place. Someone start writing that because that actually sounds fun. That actually sounds way better than what's going to happen next. Are you ready for another plot twist? Oh my gosh, again? Okay. Remember the black cat from earlier? Yeah, the one we mentioned for one line, yes. The one we mentioned for one line at the very beginning. Uh, So it turns out that it was the same black cat. (gasps) And she had been the one to orchestrate this entire scheme by putting the beans in the ashes for Jack to find. So are you saying it was the black cat all along? It was the black cat all along. She's, I mean, we, we really went on the grandma for, for being, you know, so flippant with her magical beans that would turn into a toad. But it was the cat all along. I guess the cat's out of the bag now. Oh. <laughs> who let the cat out? Who? 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 So, you know, Jack being there, they inform him <laughs> that now he has power over everything, including the old Scratch and Nicholas the Ancient. Uh, the old scratch is just a way of saying the devil. So I guess Jack is in charge of everything. This doesn't seem like a good system of government, but, you know, we also have women in lakes giving out swords. We have random empress of the mountains of the moon giving out eternal powers. All great. All great. You know. Yep. This is definitely Jack telling the story, and this is definitely his, like, fanfic version of whatever actually happened. <laughs> you have the real version, you have Jack's version, and Jack is like, yeah, so everyone just came into the room and told me how awesome I was, and they all clapped. Yeah! <laughs> and then, clapped! It told me I have the power over all things. <laughs> and then everyone clapped. Of course he did. Uh, and you know that Jack is telling the story because... He mentions that he responds that he knew the landlord was a woman because she filled him with expectations only to disappoint him. Oh, my gosh. He can go hang out with, um, oh, who is the king from the, the hunt, Thousand and One Nights? Uh, Shariar or Sharizar, one of those ones. 
But yeah, one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, he should go hang out with Charizard. I, I feel like they would all get along. They'd be like, oh my god, you kill women? Oh my god, so do I. Except I just hate them. Yes. Bros, high five. Just hate them. Okay, now that we know Jack is disgusting. You can tell that, you know, a man is telling the story to other men because he's saying they're like, oh my god, I have this really funny line. You could tell she was a woman because she filled him with expectations. Ah, and then everyone starts laughing because women lie to you for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Anyway, uh, good one, Jack. We're we're laughing so hard here, Jack. So while everyone so is uh, clapping hard. for Jack and telling him how great he is, they then tell him that he must put on his grandmother's magic ring that will give him five wishes. And if he is ever in combat, he must turn the red stone at the top towards the north to fight giants, dragons, and basilisks. Otherwise, if he points it to the south, he will have whatever he desires. Now, immediately forgetting the thing about the ring to the south, Jack makes his five wishes. Are you ready for these wishes? Okay, wait, before we get to the wishes, didn't we just establish that he had power over everything? So why does he need wishes? I mean... (laughs) Maybe because they're like, oh, would you like to, you know, change your appearance? Would you like to have some other power? But you have power power over all things! You should be able to change your appearance because that's something! (laughs) Well, I mean, even if if it wasn't a wish, he could just turn the ring to the south and then he could just have what he desired. But, you know. Yeah! But, you know, uh... He's really OP right now. Okay. What does he wish for? Wait, hold on. Before you say that, what, like, what would you be wishing for? Just so we... Well, I want to know generally what we think, and then we'll hear what he has to think. You know what? Okay, so... If I only had five wishes, I think I'd be very careful with them. Because I'd be like, okay, I only have these uh-huh. five, I don't have this magic ring that can fight things and can give me whatever else I want. So I think I'd be like, alright, I want to be... Um... I want... Huh. I'm trying to think of, like... A clever way of saying something because every there's always a trope whenever you make a wish there's always a way around it or a way to destroy it so i guess my first one would be i wish i had okay but uh, yeah well, well you would think more about the wording but generally what do you wish you had uh lots and lots of money so i don't have to worry about money again okay. um the ability to fly yes um any superpower actually no I take back the power to fly one. I, I'd want any superpower I wanted in that moment. So the okay. ability to give That's myself awesome. superpowers. Yes. Um, I think I'd go for live forever. Okay. And then for um, uh, the power of persuasion or charisma, I guess, so I can convince people to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, world peace. <laughs> nice. I threw that last one in there. <laughs> I would definitely want some sort of earth healing abilities. Like, you know, trying to undo, like, the damage we've done to the earth of some sort. Ah, uh, yes. I also wish this. That was also one of mine. <laughs> uh, I would also want the ability to, like, jump into, like, the stories of books and stuff. Ooh. And just... But I would also be able to, like, have base power, like, if I'm going to Star Wars, for example. I don't have to be, like, the strongest character, but, like, I have to have base Jedi powers when I enter that story. Okay, you know? so you want to be, like, you don't want to be, like, a muggle in a, in a wizarding world. You want to be an actual wizard. No, no, no. Okay, cool. Yeah? 
I wouldn't overpower myself when I go into those worlds because <laughs> that would not be fun. But I would like some variation on that having abilities and having superpowers in the real world. Okay. Any superpower you want or? I would have to think harder about it. I would probably think it's more fun to restrict myself. So I would only give myself like bending abilities, for example. Like maybe I just have the avatar abilities or maybe I just have Jedi abilities. Um, Because I would want to be more creative. Like, I mean, I understand just having whatever you want, which is also awesome. But I would probably be dumb and like just give myself one or two. I don't know what I do with the other two, but these are the types of things I'm talking about, like stuff that can affect the like, you know, something like healing the earth where you can really help the world, and like stuff that are wacky and awesome abilities. Ah, uh, yes, these are these are also the kind of things Jack wishes for. Ah, uh, you know his oh really his first wish is for world peace. Second one is for the end of world hunger. Third one is wow. that no one else ever has to be poor again because, you know, he's someone that lived in poverty, so he understands what that's like. Maybe he's not such a bad dude. I uh, know, I'm definitely kidding. So Jack wishes for <laughs> food just for himself in that room. Like really specific special food? He just wishes like... for a table of all sorts of food. Nothing really okay, stood out, okay, but just, okay. just lots of food for himself. Then he wishes for the lady to be okay. stark naked. And then dressed in the finest clothes. <laughs> okay. He literally goes, no clothes, clothes. Because he wants her dressed like a queen, but first, you know, she must be naked in front of all these random other people. Uh, <laughs> and then, number three, he wishes for music. And then, number four, he wants the fiddlers to play a very specific song. Uh, and at this point, you know, he's eaten lots of food, he's danced around, his new, like, this new lady is dressed in these nice clothes, and he's dressed in nice clothes. So he's like, alright, for my fifth wish, I want to be alone with the lady for a sleepover. And those were his five wishes. Um, I mean, I think Jack is a very different person from us. Um... These also sound like such small things that surely the other side of this ring of just getting basic desires should fulfill this requirement. Yeah, I feel like if he had just turned the ring around, was like, I want all this stuff. And then he turned around and was like, all right, listen, for my wishes, I want, you know, this, 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 and this. And that way, but he doesn't even wish for any kind of like specific power or any kind of wealth or anything. He just kind of wishes for these random things, but you know what? In Jack's defense, which is someplace I don't actually want to be, but no. if Jack just found out that his ring can give him anything he desires, the wishes just become kind of a joke at that point, because he's like, oh, well, I can already have all this stuff, so what's the point? So I might as well just make it like some silly things, because there's no point trying to wish for anything more. Because If he desired for world peace, just turn that ring around to the south, two-second thought, world peace. Uh, you know? Again, I don't want to nag on this point again, but I will because they said he had power over all things. <laughs> what the heck is the point of either of these things? So that night, after much merriment, Jack has a very weird dream. He dreams of an enchantress who takes away all of his memories of what had been, as well as of that of the princesses, and gives him a warning. She says that they must go to the top of the bean, to the castle of the giant, Gogmagog, 
There, the giant will entertain them for three days without danger. And as long as Jack keeps the ring pointed north and the princess to his north side, nothing will happen to them. When he thinks there is danger, he must bend his finger and turn the ring, which will cause the princess to turn into a basilisk that will kill everything within her sight. And afterwards, all he has to do is turn the ring back and she will be normal, and he will possess all of the giant's treasures. Now, I mean, this enchantress, if we've seen anything about petty enchantresses, must have had some deep, deep resentment towards this giant to be like, hey, Jack, you know, you have all this power to, you know, have your own treasures and to have your own things, but you should go and kill this giant who's minding his own business. Just go do that real quick. Yeah, not bothering you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really see a reason for him to do this. He can desire all of the treasures he wants. He can desire all of the, yeah. the money he wants. There's no real reason for him to go take advantage of the giant's hospitality and then kill him. And this doesn't take care of the issue of he lost all his memories, right? Is that what happened? You lost his memories? So what the Enchantress did is she takes away all of their memories of what had been. So all of the memories of the past, of their past. Yeah, so we're not even going to address the fact that he has no memories of the past, that Jack is like a clean slate now. Well, I'm sure Jack, I'm sure Jack just thinks, you know, I've always been the invincible champion of these people. So if anything, that just makes him more arrogant because he doesn't remember anything from the past. Oh, yeah. Very good champion. People's choice, apparently. Jack, <laughs> the jerk. So Jack is just like, ah, I've always been this man I am today. I've always been a champion. He has no idea that he was at one point sleeping with his grandmother and, you know, making fires. Um, and the princess has no idea that she was once a empress of the moon and she was, I guess, a cat for 400 years. So they're both clean slates. All right. But yeah, I'm I'm 100% sure this enchantress hates something about this giant. Like, he he wronged her in some way. Because she goes out of her way to be like, hey, Jack, Jack, hey, you want to go kill someone? Wait, is this the enchantress that is the grandmother? No, this is a different enchantress. She's called, I think, oh. the... If I couldn't really understand what the word was, but I think she's some kind of, like, head enchantress. Head fairy. Oh. Interesting. Okay, so another enchantress is like, yo, help me with my problem. Not even that. She doesn't even go, you know, this this giant wronged me or this giant's going to kill a bunch of people. She literally just goes, hey, go to the top of the bean and kill this giant because he has a lot of gold and you can take it. Fetch quest! Doesn't mention saving anyone. Doesn't mention, you know, go on this magical quest to prove yourself. She literally just goes, you want a bunch of stuff? Go kill this guy. And Jack goes, you know what? Great idea. And Jack wakes up. Well, Jack wakes up and literally goes, wow, we should go to the top of the bean to the giant's castle. And, you know, that's what they do. They take a great party of people and they enjoy the very descriptive wonders around them as they head up. And they meet lots of lords, lots of ladies, lots of knights. And before long, they can hear a voice cry out in the iconic fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Whether he be alive or dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. I mean, we, we can touch upon the fact that this giant knows about Englishmen. Maybe this giant has some yeah. problems with the English. I guess. He can get in line. I'm sure a lot of the world <laughs> kind of has problems with English, like, or the 
British, considering they conquered half the world. But um, does Jack know he's an Englishman if he's forgotten everything? I don't. I honestly, I don't know. Maybe this is why they just continued towards the sound, because Jack's like, oh, I'm not an English man. I am a beanstalk man. I've always lived on the beanstalk. Yeah. And because he has no recollection that he actually was on Earth at one point. So maybe he just doesn't have any idea. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, the English. We hate the English. Let's let's go make some bread together. I wonder what his recipe is. <laughs> does he use the does he use the bones as like the flour substitute? I don't know if they get enough rise out of that though. I don't know. Maybe just might have been like some weird soda bread type of thing as opposed to an actual like fluffy loaf. Um, I can't mm. imagine it would taste very good, but maybe you have to be a giant to appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm just you know too human to appreciate the giant palate. And apparently, so is Jack because they just continue towards the sound not really concerned about what's going to happen and eventually they make it to this giant castle and they see a ferocious man picking his teeth with a tree seeing the party this giant bids them welcome and tells them he will give them the best entertainment for the next couple days he proceeds to shrink down to the size of a regular man and takes them through their castle which is exquisite you know, Jack and the princess are very pleased because they cannot wait for this to be theirs. I mean, I always think of that when people are giving me a tour of their house. I'm like, oh, wow, I want this. Can't wait till they have an open house. <laughs> you know, it's just it's nice. Yeah. Can't wait for them to die so I can take over. <laughs> wow. It's just it's it's really weird. You really seemed to like my house last time you were over. Um, Should I be worried? <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. I was just. Biding my time. <laughs> now, I don't fully understand why the giant says he'll entertain them. It might be a trap, so he gets them into the house, fans them up a bit, and then he eats them, um, which kind of defeats the purpose of him saying the whole fee fi fo fum I'll grind your bones, eat you kind of thing. But maybe it's more so the rule of hospitality, where if someone comes to your door uh, looking to break bread, as long as they're under your care, you cannot kill them. Otherwise, the gods will be very upset, which is the case in a lot of Norse mythology, a lot of Greek mythology. Whatever the case, Giant is totally okay with housing this huge group of people, um, and he just lets them in, gives them a tour. Maybe he just wants a party. Yeah, and you know what? For three days, they enjoy the Giant's company, who in turn falls madly in love with the princess and is resolved to have her as his own wife. Of course. And, you know, kill Jack in the process. <laughs> Assuming that's on the list. Well, that makes me kind of think he wasn't going to kill Jack in the first place, but I can't really tell because he's a giant and we don't really know anything about him but besides the fact that he's really big and he sings songs about killing people. So we don't know. But he said he smelled the blood of an Englishman, which is Jack. <laughs> Maybe Jack was so confident when they came up to the gate, the giant was like, oh, an Englishman. And Jack went, no, not me. I'm a beanstalk man. And so he's like, oh, okay, cool. These are not the Englishmen you were looking for? <laughs> These are not the Englishmen I was looking for. So on the night of the third day, they heard a great cry and heard the ladies and knights sobbing about being the giant's breakfast in the morning. Jack uses his ring to desire himself to be able to go through keyholes so he can find the victims. He eventually finds the knights and ladies and promises to save them. Now together with the princess, they come up with the plan and are confident that the princess can be able to turn into a basilisk and kill the giant. Why turn her into a basilisk? I like, that's very. I mean, specific. that's what the enchantress said. I think they're just going along with it. At this point, she's been a bunch of stuff. I mean, what's one more? It could be a basilisk because it's like, all right, just a giant snake. That's kind of hot. 
could be because she can petrify the giant, uh, match him in size. We don't really know. It's just one of those things where, like, ah, oh, right. this is this is what you're going to turn into. You know, clock strikes 12, you're a pumpkin again. Well, could be worse. <laughs> so that morning, Jack and the princess go to breakfast as usual and are confronted by the giant. No sooner had the giant swung his giant club at Jack, does Jack shift his ring and the princess turns into a basilisk who kills the giant instantly. Just a note that I'd like to add in. They have, I think, a page and a half of descriptions of orange trees and the water and the sky and the color of the grass. The actual giant killing was really only two sentences. <laughs> so I, it, it does feel a little bit like a bunch of lead up to really nothing. I mean, this entire story was all about mostly world building, I think. Like they set the stage, they had Jack, they had this princess, they have these enchantresses. They have all of this other cool stuff, and then they go, and he's dead. It's like, imagine if your favorite movie was building up, I think, like a three-part movie series. The first two, lots of anticipation. Third one, two-minute-long movie, they kill the bad guy. Go on with their day. I think you kind of just described the Hunger Games saga. <laughs> yeah, the Hunger Games is weird. First one, I really liked. Second one, I liked, but I was like, okay. And the third one... I I was just, what is happening? I was very confused during the third one. I remember at one point I was reading and I was like, are these lizard people chasing them? I had no idea what was going on because I was just so glazed over. And I was like, I want to get this done. I want to read this book. I want to enjoy it. But I was just so confused as what was happening. So I was like, all right, um, bye. Yeah, I didn't even register when half the characters died. I was like, oh, wait, where are they? They're just not here anymore. What? What's happening? Yeah, it was very, very quick. I was like, okay, you're dead. Okay, wait, but now, now we're running. Okay, we're running. Okay, now this happened. Oh wait, wait, let me read that again because I don't. I miss. It's like one of those like TV series where you blink and you miss something. And you're like, oh, let's rewind. Except it's with a book, so you're reading the same page a hundred times. I'm convinced that the like that there was more written for the fourth one, but they wanted it to be generally the same size as the previous two, so they just cut a bunch of content. The third one. I mean, they could have just made it bad like the original books could have just been bad and that's that's that but i'm convinced something happened with that third one because that was just so random see i don't think there's ever like a sweet spot with books i think you should always write a story as long as it needs to be yeah and never more because with books it's hard to tell like i know a lot of authors like i want this to be a trilogy but you miss out on so much of the story if you're trying to force it but at the same time you have authors who write a hundred books and at one point you're like i i can't i can't read these I think it was the House of Night books. There's so many of them. <laughs> and everyone becomes a vampire. Everyone stops being vampires. Everyone is a crow. At, well, it's just, at some point, you're like, there's too much happening. This story is not the same mm -hmm. story I signed up for. And now I'm just confused. Oh, my gosh, yes. Like, this is like a 20 that season. That is the heartbreaking <laughs> moment. Yeah. That's a heartbreaking moment yeah. when you're reading a really long series. And there comes a book when you realize, I've read this book and the past three books in the series. and this is just garbage now. Yeah. Like, somewhere along the line, you stopped being good. It's so sad because you fall in love with the characters, and of course you want more, but I think the author yeah. has to be the adult in the situation and cut you off. They have to go, here is the story, here is the ending. If you want more, you go read fan fiction like everyone else. It's it's hard. So, um, um back to the issue at hand, yeah, our, uh, our two sentences of death. 
Um, and yeah, with that, the giant dies. Jack and the princess freed all the prisoners, became the rulers of the giant's kingdom, and lived happily ever after. Wow. And of course, our narrator, Gaffer Spriggins, ends the story by saying that enchantment is used only by old women to amuse kids and by himself to assure readers that enchantment proceeds from nothing but the chit-chat of old nurses or the maggots in madmen's brains. Jack, come on, Jack. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we know this is you. We know you're just trying to make yourself sound great. Don't lie to us, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Graf- Gaffer Springens tells this really elaborate story about magic and enchantment. And at the end he goes, yeah, it was all really stupid, wasn't it? Which, you know what, to be fair, as his audience, we think it was all very stupid. So maybe Gaffer or Jack is but- onto something here where he's like, you know what? Enchantment's really dumb. And now we're like, all right, Enchantment's really dumb. Because we did spend this entire story going, Jack's an idiot, Jack's stupid, we hate Jack, none of this makes sense, what's going on? And you know what? Gaffer, I think, got us. He's like, this story's stupid. And you know what? You're dumb if you believe in this stuff. I just wish he didn't waste my time so much if that was his message like he could have cut off like way earlier he could have i about i got to this ending and i was like he is kidding he did not make me read like four pages of description of a beanstalk before he told me that all this is stupid come on do you know what this is the equivalent for him saying and then jack woke up and it was all a dream like that isn't that infuriating it is because i'm like you made me you made me hate this poor character you made me think about all of the reasons I need therapy and he needs therapy thinking about this whole enchantress grandma relationship. This poor princess empress girl has been through so much. And all of a sudden you're like, nope, all of it was fake. Y'all are dumb. That's the moral of the Have story. Have you ever had an experience where you watched a movie or a book and it ended with, and it was all a dream, where you thought, oh, that makes it better? No, most of the time because it's so frustrating. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? Remember that fight in Twilight? That epic fight at the very oh, end, yeah. Breaking Dawn or whatever it was. But there's that huge fight. Everyone's, you know, tearing each other apart. And all of a sudden it's like, and that was what could have been. And I'm like, oh. So y'all just stood around <laughs> a field for like 10 minutes while this happened? Now that we got that out of our <laughs> system, uh, we've gone on for a really long time about this story. So I think it's time that we go over our five fantastic finds. Yay! Which, for those of you who don't know, these are five nuggets of information that we have found while we were researching the story that we'd like to share with you before we head on back to the Enchanted Forest. Number one. Our story of Jack Springens is one of the oldest with a beanstalk. However, the story of Jack is considered one of the oldest Indo-European fairy tales. The oral story of Jack has been known in Welsh mythology, but the first time the Jack story was written down was in 1711, as the story of Jack and the Giant Slayer. The story takes on the form of an Arthurian legend, where Jack goes on an adventure to kill giants and is aided in his magical quest by magical items and other heroes. He saves knights and ladies as he goes on and obtains the giant's treasures. The famous line, fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman, was first written in Shakespeare's King Lear, which was dated about 1606 to 1608. The more you know. Number two. 
So giants have always been associated with the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. As mentioned earlier, the earliest tale called Jack the Giant Killer has Jack going around killing various giants, including a Welsh giant with two heads. As this was set during King Arthur's reign, it is very typical of a Cornish, Breton, and Welsh bardic lore, which all have Norse roots. In Norse mythology, giants, known commonly as Jotun, are often elemental creatures at odds with the gods, but also sometimes they are the forefathers of gods. It was foretold that during Ragnarok, the giants will destroy Asgard. Our giant in particular, however, is called Gogmagog, the name of a legendary giant in English mythology. Gagamog was the last giant of Albion and was thrown off a cliff by Corneus, the founder of Cornwall and a survivor of the Trojan War. Now, giants can be found in almost every form of mythology and play an important part, unlike their other oft-mistaken counterpart, the troll and the ogre. In modern media, we can see friendly giants in works such as the BFG, the Big Friendly Giant, and the Iron Giant. There's also a popular manga and anime called Attack on Titan, which is featured in a world where humans live within a fortified wall meant to keep out the man-eating giant humanoids. All different types of giants, but all just as cool. Number three. The Basilisk, also known as the King of Serpents, is a mythological monster said to have been born of a serpent's egg and then incubated by a rooster or a toad. But don't be fooled by this strange animal mix. All accounts of the basilisk show that this is a very deadly creature. The earliest written account of a basilisk comes all the way from ancient Greece and Pilnes the Elder's Natural History, which dates back to 79 AD. In this iteration of the creature, it was described to be 12 fingers long and was adorned with a bright white marking on its head, sort of like a diadem. Despite its small size, it possessed the power to kill any living creature with its touch, glance, and its breath. In fact, the venom from the basilisk was said to be so deadly, it was believed when a man on horseback stabbed the basilisk with a spear, the venom would rise up through the spear, killing the man and the horse. Sometimes the basilisk is depicted with more rooster or, or toad qualities, but its core deadliness often remains intact. But do not fear, dear travelers. These creatures may be scary, but they do have a few distinct weaknesses. The basilisk's natural enemies are weasels and roosters. It is said that weasels are immune to their poison and that the basilisk would die if it heard a rooster crow. But if you find these animals hard to come by in your travels, then consider using a mirror. It is also said if a basilisk sees its own reflection, it would instantly perish. While basilisks do show up as enemies in various video games, it's one big notable appearance in modern media has been in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. JK's basilisks are much larger, the average length being a whopping 50 feet. They also have the power to petrify, which is new for the creature, but it also meant that less students actually died that year due to sheer dumb luck. Surely no safer place than Hogwarts. Number four. Now, speaking of basilisks, the shape-shifting empress is one of my favorite parts of this story. But I wasn't really able to find out if she was a mythical figure or not. I did find out, though, that just like Greek mythology, there is a lot of shape-shifting that occurs in Norse and Celtic lore. There are frequent mentions of the gods shape-shifting, the most popular one being our favorite, Loki, the trickster god. 
There are stories of gods, such as Odin, turning others into creatures, such as dragons, for punishment reasons, as well as gods themselves turning into creatures to disguise themselves or to attain an attribute like stealth or flight. In our previously mentioned Jack the Giant Slayer, there is another massive ferocious giant named, and I'm going to butcher this, Galagantua, who with the help of an old conjurer transforms knights and ladies into birds and beasts. They have also kidnapped the duke's daughter and turned her into a wild hind or female deer. Jack ends up saving the duke's daughter and they end up getting married in King Arthur's court. I think the basis of our empress can be found in this duke's daughter, as our empress was also turned into a cat and then into a basilisk. It could also be... A, I mean, it could also be a reference to the hundreds of women and men that were turned into animals by the Greek gods. But that's a story for another day. And that brings us to number five. Do you know what's really awesome? Castles. Want to make them even cooler? Make them fly. Why? Because it's cool. How is that possible? Who cares? Don't think about it too much. Because let's be honest, castles, cities, and continents are always way cooler when they are among the clouds. You don't even have to change how they normally function. As long as they are sky high, they become so much more exotic. So Jack may be one of the earliest examples of someone finding a whole new world in the sky like this, but it is clearly not the last. The idea of a continent floating in the sky is a reoccurring idea in media, especially in video games. In Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, there's a whole level built around the idea of this floating city called Glitzville. Chrono Trigger also has a series of floating islands called Zeal, and we can't forget Bioshock Infinite's whole game revolves one giant city named Columbia. Video games get a lot of use out of these settings, and there's a good number of reasons why they do so. For instance, you often have to complete a number of quests just to get to the floating continent in the first place, and it's such a mysterious idea of how this continent is floating in the first place that it begs the player further in to try and find out why this is happening, and because there's these these overarching questions of how it's there, why it's floating in the first place, it makes for great world building and exploration. However, video games are not the only medium that enjoys this familiar yet exotic locale. In the Studio Ghibli films, Castle in the Sky, Shita and Pazu both seek to find the mysterious lost floating castle called Laputa. If you're looking for a movie solely dedicated to this trope, this is an excellent choice. Or you can go read Gulliver's Travels, which the movie is inspired by. Well, Fox, we've talked a lot about a lot of interesting creatures, interesting worlds, all I really want to do now is climb down this beanstalk and go back to our comforting enchanted forest. Well, it's a good thing we didn't get very far. I mean, we didn't do all 40 miles. <laughs> if you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter at From Enchanted or Instagram at Tales from Enchant Forest. Or if you're old school like Sparrow, you can email us at Tales from Enchant Forest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions, so if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. And remember, travelers, if you enjoyed what you heard today and what we do here, please give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. It helps the podcast grow and reach new travelers to join us on these adventures. We want to give a quick shout out to Biochem1980, Kelly Madden, A Red Rose Thought, and Darcy and Bingley for their reviews. Thank you so much, travelers. And remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. <laughs>